Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis, a Catholic priest, martial artist, and host of the Karate Priest Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the Church teaches about different topics? Are you a martial arts enthusiast or just someone who wants to learn more about martial arts? I'd like to invite you to join me and many guests on my podcast as we cover topics of faith, everyday living, and martial arts on the Karate Priest Podcast. everybody. Welcome back to season four of A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today's topic is very exciting. We're going to be talking about being a Catholic influencer, and here to discuss it with us today is Mari Wagner. Welcome. Hey, Amber. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for being on. This is going to be a really great episode. I know there's tons of people who are interested in this topic, so I think it's just going to be all around a great topic and episode. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in and just talk about the honest truth of being a Catholic influencer. It's, I think a lot of people need to hear the honest truth. I think a lot yes. of people don't understand yes. how, how difficult it can be at times. But before we get into that, did you want to introduce yourself to our listeners really quick? Absolutely. Yes. I'm excited to meet your audience. For those of you that don't know me, like Immer said, I am Mari Wagner. I'm a young wife, Catholic content creator, and founder of the popular Catholic lifestyle brand, West Coast Catholic. Um, I do most of my ministry and my work on Instagram, um, where I help women live Christ-centered lives um, by sharing about my God-centered marriage, clean living and holistic homemaking, practical ways to grow in your faith, all that good stuff. I love it. That's so cool. And I've been following you for quite a few years now since my reversion. And I love your just products, rosaries, content. It's so aesthetically pleasing. I just love it. <laughs> we do. We try. <laughs> it's really hard to be aesthetically pleasing. People don't realize that, but it's like you got to match everything. It's crazy. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So just kind of jumping right in here. Why did you start your social media pages and your shop? What what drove you to do that? Mm hmm. It's really funny. Like we were just talking about this before we recorded, but next month will be five years of me having my Instagram blog. And I never, ever thought that like this would be my career basically, or like this would be what God had planned because it wasn't something that I was planning for or dreaming about. It wasn't like I sat there and I was like, I want to be an influencer. Like that was not it. It was just like little nudges of the heart um, that kind of led me to it. And the biggest reason was because I, growing up, I felt alone in my Catholic faith. I grew up in the Seattle area. And so Pacific Northwest, West Coast, um, isn't the most secular of places, <laughs> especially not now. Um, and so growing up, I sort of always felt like I was one of the only Catholics. Um, and even if people were Catholic around me, they weren't really practicing that much. And so I didn't really felt like I identified much with them because I always just felt this this call and this love in my heart to like try and live a Christ-centered life. Doesn't mean I always lived it out, but I always felt that nudge. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I felt alone a lot of high school and um, half of college and just trying to do this on my own. And it all changed summer of 2018. I spent a summer interning with a Catholic organization, Focus, here in Colorado. And that was my first time being introduced to this like Catholic world, I had no idea about. Um, and for the first time I met women my age 
that were striving to live Christ-centered lives that were so fun and cool and like normal girls I would have been friends with either way. Um, yeah, by the end of the summer, that sort of just like showed me one that I wasn't alone and that there, there had to have been so many more other young adults and young women that felt like me that I wanted them to know the truth. I wanted to inspire them and show them that they're not alone and that there are other young Catholics like striving to practice their faith. Um, so yeah, so, so that's how the Instagram started. I just started my Instagram account at West coast Catholic and started sharing bits and pieces of my faith as a college student at the time. And then the shop came about a year after. So we didn't actually start my shop until a little bit later. Um, and that was after Trey gifted me a gorgeous handmade rosary that sort of changed my prayer life. It impacted my prayer life in a really beautiful way, being drawn to the rosary through beauty um, so much that we decided to, yeah, bless other people's prayers lives as well and, and create rosaries for them. Wow. That's fantastic. I just think it's so interesting how we have certain similarities in our story because when I reverted, I was alone too. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I had anybody. And I love how, you know, in my sister lives in Washington in the Seattle kind of area. Yeah. Well, two hours from Seattle, but yeah. Yeah. And so I've been there and you're right. There's really no Catholics out there. There's no way to really cultivate your faith out there. And so it can feel very isolating and Mm -hmm. it's a similar way. You know, I, I wasn't isolated from people, but when I went online to look for other people who were talking about their experiences, I never really found young Catholic women. I always found like the guys from Catholic Answers or Father Mike Schmitz. And I love all of those people, but I didn't feel like they were a 19 year old Catholic talking about their experiences or a teenager, you know, being like, oh, I'm Catholic and this is how I struggle with this. And this is how I came through it with this. You know, Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was kind of on my own in that area. And so it's interesting because God can really use that and and use it as motivation for us to share our faith with other people because we don't want other people to feel like that, you know? And I think I, that's just beautiful. I love how you told that story because I relate. Yeah, especially when you come out the other side, like when you realize that you're not alone, that alone I feel like was um, like encouragement enough for me to be like, other people need to know this. Like, mm can't keep this information to ourselves. We have to share about this amazing Catholic world so that everybody can be a part of it. Exactly. And I think a lot of the times there are so many resources out there, but people don't know where to look. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that was my biggest thing where I'm like, okay, I knew Catholic answers existed and stuff. And I had a few friends here or there that were kind of Catholic, but not really. Um, Like they would go to church and I'd see them at church and we do church events, but they weren't actually in their faith. They were just going for the social events. And it wasn't until I went to NCYC in 2020 that I really saw how many Catholics were on fire for their faith. And it kind of sparked like this interest in me. I was still kind of doing social media at that point where I was uh, posting and doing TikToks and people knew me. I had a few thousand. And so people would come up to me at NCYC and be like, oh my gosh, I know you. And I'm like, I've only been doing this for like six months. Who are you? (laughs) But the thing is, is that it made me realize how many people resonate with being isolated. They resonate with feeling alone because I think in this age of social media, people are more alone today than ever. Because even though it's called social media, it's really not. It isolates us. We don't have those connections. Yeah. 
But I think also there's a lot of struggles that come with it. What are some struggles that you faced while doing social media? Yeah. Um, I think one of the top ones, it's a struggle for anybody, but I think especially when your work is also on the app is just spending too much time on it and getting into these ruts of endless scrolling and, and consumption and just kind of like um, both from a consumer standpoint of like just getting stuck on the app, but then also from a creator standpoint of like, oh, I'm just doing market research. Like, no, you're not. You're just scrolling. <laughs> I know. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to find a good real sound. You know, 30 minutes later, I'm just stuck in the reels loop. <laughs> yep. So I think that is that is a huge struggle for me. And and I know like social media addiction is a struggle for everybody, but it's um, I think easier to brush that aside when you're a content creator because so much of your work is spent on the app. So much time is around the app, is analyzing your content, creating content, connecting with your audience and your peers, responding to DMs, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so it can really easily make you just, yeah, get sucked in by the app and spend more time on it than you want. Um, so that's definitely a struggle. I think another big struggle for me and I'm sure other content creators is uh, there's a learning curve when you're starting out and learning to set the boundaries of what to share and when to share personal life things, prayer life things. Um, I think that there's, there's not always a black and white answer, which makes it difficult. There's a lot of like gray, gray areas of what's okay to share and what's not okay. And it's going to look different for everybody. But when you're starting out, I think that there's just a misconception of like content creators or influencers, like they share every part of their life, you know? And so you were like, oh, well, I should share every part of my life. Like that's what people do. But you actually don't know that person's mm -hmm. actual life. You don't know how much they're sharing or what they're not. Um, and yeah, there's definitely been times in the past, you know, five years of doing this where I've come to realize like, huh, maybe I didn't need to share that. Or like, maybe that was a little bit too much. Like, okay. And you kind of learn what that boundary looks like for you, for your personal life or for your prayer life of of what to share because not everything needs to and is meant to be shared with the world. No, it's so true. And it's it's almost like this competition of having to, you know, we, we're all in the same circle and yet we have this sense of competition where we have to compete because, you know, if somebody's sharing this about that, themselves and, oh, we feel like we have to do the same. Mm -hmm. But like you said, maybe it's not necessary. Maybe that's not something you need to share with your followers. And setting those boundaries with social media is very important. I've learned that. I mean, I started when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, you know, I was 19, so technically almost an adult. Yeah, same. So I <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. But it's like, you know, you're still learning your own boundaries with social media just by yourself. But now, all of a sudden you're responsible for cultivating the faith of thousands, yeah. you know, and it's, it's scary. It's so scary because you could say one wrong thing and it's like you, you set someone astray or, mm -hmm. and it's really hard because also with the hate that you receive, you know, at times, I don't know how much hate you receive, but depending on like, you know, how, I mean, as yeah. women, I think a lot of the times we get a lot more of it because people tell us, oh, you're not supposed to share about the faith and you're not meant to do certain things. And I'm like, do you know anything about the Catholic Church? Because like, <laughs> Our Lady, you know, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Lisieux. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it can be really frustrating navigating those boundaries because you also don't want to view other women on the app or other content creators in general on the app 
as competition. You right. want to view them as friends and somebody you can cultivate a friendship with. But something I've run into a lot is that people will gatekeep a lot in in the circles and they'll kind of treat you as the enemy almost and like, oh, you're going to take my followers away if I promote you. So I'm not going to or, you know, it's insane. so sad. <laughs> It is. The amount of times that I've had friends at the time where they would be like, oh, let's take photos and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be so cool. And then I post about them. I'm like, they're so great. And those photos never see the light of day on their Instagram. Mm. And I'm like, oh, you know, I thought we were going to like twin. I thought it was going to be really yeah. cute. And like, I don't care. I'm not going to be like, oh, sure. well, I thought, you know, we were going to share them together. But I just thought they were cute photos. I'm like, why aren't you posting them? And they yeah. were just like, well, I'm afraid that my followers will follow you. And like, I'm like, okay, but but that doesn't mean they're going to unfollow you. Absolutely. And that's, it's funny. I'm like, I just sort of picture like if the 12 apostles were like arguing over like <laughs> evangelize where and like, don't touch, don't touch my area. And like, don't evangelize to these people. Cause I'm going to evangelize to these people. Like, no, the goal is to reach the whole world. Newsflash. We can't do that as one single person. Exactly. I think I learned that early on too, um, with my rosaries. Like that's how West coast Catholic started was our rosaries. And at the beginning, especially there was like a few other smaller people that started to like copy our exact designs. And oh, well, that's definitely not okay. <laughs> like definitely never agree with that. And I've always encouraged people like, yeah, make your rosaries, just make them your own. It was a little bit of a gut check of like, actually, like I can't reach every single person. Like I can't reach every single, or I can't like put a rosary in every single person's hand in the world. Mm -hmm. We need a lot of people to do that. And so same thing goes with content creation and, and um, evangelizing on social media. Like one person can't reach the whole world. If if they could, they would be Jesus. So right. that's why he had 12 apostles. And that's why they made their own disciples and they made their own disciples. And yeah, so definitely on the on the team of like, we need as much many people as we can, I think. We need to like network and work together because like, I love what you said about the apostles because it's so true. <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but like it makes so much sense. Like why would they be arguing like, no, 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 this one's mine. This one's, you can't have it. It's like, it's not a competition. And I think that yes. turns into a pride thing then yes. where we think it's about us and it's not mm -hmm. about us. It's about mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. and we're tools in God's hands you know, we're not meant to be the end all be all. Yes. And this reminds me of, I was a missionary with focus for two years. And one of the things you realize there is um, you may not see the fruits in, in one of your students that year, and you may see the fruits in another student, but they have may, they may have worked with another missionary or had other people in their life, right. That mm -hmm. planted these seeds years before, so that then you would reap the fruits that the time that you did. So it, a lot of the times it's not just you, right? Like, I think that's a trick we can fall into as well. A trap we can fall into as Catholic influencers is like, you're not the end all be all. Like you were saying, like, you're not the savior. Actually, Jesus right. is like, it's not your job to save anybody. Um, and a lot of the times it takes, you know, a whole village, like a whole family, all the people that the Lord places in your life to get you there. So yeah, we can't just rely on ourselves. Exactly. And it takes a lot of grace, I think, because when we are on social media, it's very hard. I mean, I've dealt with this too. It's very hard to view other people as real people. Yeah. You know, they hide behind a screen. I mean, not hide behind. Some people do. Sure. I mean, you know, but they're behind a screen and we kind of have this disconnect in yes. our in our mind of, okay, phone versus 
human being. And we do this. It's not just with social media. It's also with cars. I mean, when I look at a car, I don't think, oh, there's a human being in there. I'm like, why is this car cutting me off? (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. So it's not even like it's just social media. It's just the way our brains work. But we need to retrain them. Yeah. And I think by doing stuff like this, like what we're doing, you know, podcasting, talking, having fun um, and meeting up with people and really creating those in-person connections, that is what's going to kind of help and change things and make things more positive. And it's like speaking of positive experiences on social media, you know, what are some things that you've kind of experienced that are really great? Yeah, I feel like I have found that social media is an extremely effective method of evangelization. I know that there there always is a negative side to social media. And just like with anything, like there can be evil to it. Um, but I have found that it is a really beautiful and good way to evangelize um, because it meets our generation. Sorry, can you hear my... Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> Let me just quit it. We'll just silence her for a second. <laughs> there we Text- go. No, you're Um, fine. I think it's a really great way of evangelization because it meets our generation where they're at, right? Like Mm. we're on our phones constantly to like we're on there for so many reasons, for entertainment, for education, for news, for connection, for inspiration, like all these kind of things. And so I think it's a beautiful way to meet our generation where they're at and by example, right? By what you're sharing about your life, by example, show them a full and abundant way of life while educating and inspiring um, and entertaining. So I, especially like, you know, all these years in, I have begun to see the fruits of it and receive beautiful messages from my audience of people who have converted or people who have changed their life around or people who learned something about the teachings that they didn't know before, you know, people who didn't know that they were living in mortal sin until we had a conversation or a Q and a about it on my, on my stories. And people were like, Oh, Whoa, I did not know this. Like, thank you so much. Like now I can, can reorient my life, you know? Right. So I think there is a lot of, a lot of beauty to it um, on the evangelization side. I think personally as well, in a way, it's also helped me grow. Um, I think I'm naturally a very, I'm actually very like an honest person. I don't like to hide things or sugarcoat things. Um, But at the same time, I also struggle with perfectionism. And so Mm -hmm. I think like the blend of this has really helped mold me to who I am today because it sort of helped me kind of break out of this perfectionism mold a little bit, like (laughs) little by little, you know, just like become more, um, more like embrace more in imperfection while still like being honest, you know, like show the vulnerability, show the, the real life of what it's like to be a 20 something trying to live out her faith and doing the best that I can. Um, while also like we talked about like discerning what should be shared, what shouldn't be shared. Um, as well as just like being okay with like, yeah, my life isn't a hundred percent perfect. And that's actually what needs to be shown. Like perfection isn't relatable because none mm-hmm. of us are perfect until we're saints, right? So in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of refined me as a person as well. No, I love that. That's wonderful because it's so true. I think a lot of the times it's refreshing to see imperfection yeah. with all of this going on with like the Kardashians and one second they get like a BBL, the next second it's liposuction, the next second it's a nose job. And then- yeah. They spray paint their faces. They face tune everything. And this is just a lot of celebrities and models and things. And so 
I think what's making a comeback is relatability, right? And I've always been so afraid of losing my relatability when I became a nonprofit because I didn't want everything to be about business. I still wanted to share like my ideas, my thoughts, my struggles, what I would I struggle with, you know, um, personal things uh, to an extent. I keep a lot of my personal life private just because that's what I need because a lot of people like to nitpick at certain things and certain decisions you make without actually knowing you. Oh, and yeah. so it's like, okay, well, you weren't there. You don't know the situation. So then you have to discern, okay, this isn't something that I'm comfortable putting out there because I'm not uh, comfortable being like questioned about it or ridiculed about it. So if you're uncomfortable about sharing something, maybe it's not something you should share. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the times there's important aspects of each of our lives that we can share with people that make us relatable. So for you being isolated, for me falling away and coming back, I don't, did you ever fall away or was it just kind of like that gradual? I, I mean, I, there was never a moment where I was like, I am not Catholic. There were moments where I was like, is this, is this truly like worth the sacrifice? You know, Mm -hmm. like I definitely lived a sinful life freshman and sophomore year of college and struggled with, you know, my own falling away from the teachings and how you should live a Christ-centered life. But there was never a time where I was like, Catholicism isn't true or I don't believe in God. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's like, even that's relatable. Yeah. So many young Catholics are in that position right now. Exactly. And I think Also, because instant gratification is such a huge part of our world that sacrificing and mortification are, it's just, it's foreign to us these days. Like you have to go out of your way to mortify, yes, you have to go out of your way to mortify yourself now. And as, as, as before, like people were being mortified and they didn't have a choice in it. You know, there was wars going on. There was the famines. There was, was yes, so much going on. And now it's like we get everything out of touch of a button and I don't think people understand how, uh, I guess, I don't know, dangerous that is to our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. And so because if we're forced into mortification, we don't have a choice and we're forced to grow in holiness. But we have to now make the conscious decision to, mortis- to mortify ourselves and to grow in you know certain graces and, and virtues. And that's harder sometimes, having to use our will to actually mortify ourselves versus God kind of forcing it on us because we have to from man's sinfulness and everything. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, I totally agree with that. And like I said, I would just honestly say, like, I totally relate to that. I think that in the past year or two, I've realized how much I avoid suffering, how much I'm like trying to avoid uncomfortability or like how easy it is to yeah, make sure everything around you, every part of your life is just like, is just good, you know, yes. and like, and nothing, nothing is hurtful or, or suffering or yeah, mortification, anything like that. And been trying to be more intentional, like actually, the, like the Lord calls us to pray and fast. The Lord says, like, you know, those who lay down their life will be saved. Like there's no mm-hmm. resurrection, but through the cross, like that is probably one of the biggest traps of Satan in our world today of just like, make everything good and comfortable and like, avoid suffering you know because the way to salvation is through the cross so yeah big big realization yeah no and it's difficult especially when you know for people like I guess us like young adults we're are you Gen Z you're kind of like on the cusp with me a little bit like I'm kind of on the cusp like yeah 
some sites say I'm like the beginning of Gen Z. Some sites say I'm like the very last year of millennials. Yeah, same. I feel like I'm in the middle. Like I feel like I sometimes see millennial content. I'm like, that is so relatable. (laughs) Some Gen Z content, I'm like, yes. But then some Gen Z content, I'm like, whoa, this is this is not me. (laughs) That's the hard part, brother. Yes. And that's the hard part is that like there's also different levels of Gen Z because I was born in 1999. So I was right after millennials and kind of on the cusp of like the Gen Z. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So yeah, you're just one year before me. And so I had a very 90s childhood though, like a very millennial childhood. And it's just great. And then I kind of had more of like a Gen Z teenhood teenager yeah so I I definitely get that and so it's we need like more people like us to show Gen Z that like you can mortify yourselves and I think a lot of millennials who are parents to Gen Z's these day kind of baby the Gen Z's they're like oh well I don't want to raise them with religion because my parents force religion on me or I don't want my kids to suffer so I'm going to give them everything they want and then guess what happens they don't learn how to mortify themselves they don't know how to function outside of their house and there's these new houses being built today um, where they're having a separate house. Basically, you know, like the in-law suite that they used yeah. to have on certain houses. They're rebuilding houses like that to take into account kids moving back into their parents' homes because their parents like because they can't move out and function outside of their parents' homes. Wow. So there's like a whole like industry what? creating houses like that out. in I think it's California Wow, because they just anticipate kids not being able to move out or function on their own and they're going to live at home once they move out of college i mean california too rent and mortgages and everything is absolutely through the roof so i could sort of see it there but that's kind of sad yeah it's just insane but i think you know we can't have like the white picket fence and like everything perfect the moment we move out of college like we're going to be in a tiny apartment for a little while or yeah and so i think people have this misunderstanding of how life is supposed to be and when it's not what they think it is they become depressed you know and it's like no like embrace this time of mortification embrace this time of suffering because it'll help you grow in virtue Mm -hmm. and you know i think being on social media can really help them connect but they need to go in person as well you know to to meet people and to find those people and so how's that in your like own experience, how has, you know, being a social media influencer, shop owner type thing yeah. kind of helped your spiritual life? What, what are some things that you've noticed? Yeah. It's inspired me a lot. I think, especially at the beginning when I first started, um, and started to find other Catholic influencers that were doing this. I, I've always been inspired by my peers and have learned so much from them. Um, because they're also evangelizing with their life. And they're also, you know, by example, showing me how they strive to live a Christ-centered life. And I, I learned from that. And so that's been a re- beautiful, really, or a really beautiful place of, of growth for me and positivity in my spiritual life. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's also, you know, there are also negatives to it. I think it's also in some seasons impacted me negatively. Um like we were talking about times and you could just get stuck in a rut on social media consuming and, and scrolling. If I'm like in a season where I'm just like stuck, you know, scrolling every morning or every night before bed or something like that, you know, I've preferred instant gratification and instant entertainment of social media over prayer or discipline, or like you said, mortification or stepping away. Um, so yeah, 
there are positives and negatives um, influences in, in my faith life, but I think overall it's been positive because it's stretched me. It's inspired me. It's honestly, I learned a lot. It's formed me in a lot of ways. Um, it's funny, like social media is kind of, kind of a lot of things for me. Like I don't really do Twitter or I don't really follow the news. So like I get news from there. I do listen to podcasts, but I also like follow a lot of like educational Catholic mm. content. Um, yeah. On Instagram. It's also entertaining. So it's like, I've learned a lot. I've been inspired. I've been formed in so many ways in my different teachings. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah. I think a lot of the times with social media, I struggled with a lot of mental health issues. Um, because of social media when I was younger. So I had a lot of like body dysmorphia and I had, you know, I struggled with eating disorders and self-harm and things like that. And so it was really a struggle for me to change from that mindset to, oh, I can use social media for good. Mm. And so I had to like purge all of the model content that I was consuming yes. and all of the dieting content. And, you know, I really had to almost like blockers on my phone to avoid myself yeah. from following these people again because it was such second it was so second nature to me to just like follow these people and like look at what they looked like and how their bodies looked and so having to rewire my brain to use social media for Christ instead of for my own selfish desires was very difficult but I do think that in the end, it definitely helped in the same way because I started becoming more educated in my own faith. I started learning a lot more about, you know, what we believe as Catholics and the pro-life movement. And I really started engulfing myself in all of that. And it started changing my mindset mm -hmm. for the better. But I still struggled with the comparison, but in a different way. Yeah. You know, where we talked about earlier, like, oh, well, I have to do what this person's doing to compete with them so that yes. I can be better than them. Because social media is viewed as a competition. You have to be the best of the best in order to succeed. But God doesn't call us to be the best of the best. You know, he really just calls us to aid the sick, to help the needy, to clothe the naked. You know, he wants us to help those who are in need. He doesn't call us to be famous, you know, and if fame comes from it, well, most of the saints were not famous before they died. I mean, <laughs> usually they gained fame after they died because they were canonized or because of their heroic story that came out a few years later. But for the most part, you know, we are not meant to seek, you know, fame and fortune and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think about the man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, you know, what do I need to do? And Jesus told him to sell everything, you know, drop everything and follow me. And the man went away sad because he could not bring himself to do it. Yeah. Um, and so versus like the apostles, you see them drop everything and follow Jesus. And that's what we really need to do. We need to be okay with, you know, God giving us these beautiful gifts, but then also potentially taking them away. I had 100,000 followers on TikTok and I remember going to adoration. TikTok was the worst for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I hate TikTok. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was on TikTok. That's where my ministry started. Wow. And so I had a lot of followers on TikTok. And I remember just being so depressed because TikTok is just awful. I mean, people just say what yeah. they want. They stitch your stuff. They just, yeah. it's insane. And so I was having a really bad mental day. And a month, um, probably in March, I went to adoration. I was like, God, if there's anything keeping me from you, like if there's anything that's causing issues in my life, that's, you know, preventing me from growing in faith, take it away from me. And then a month later on my birthday, which was April 8th at 808, which is when I was born, I got permanently banned off TikTok. And I was that's just that. like, no. Yeah. How do you get permanently banned off TikTok? 
I looked, they wouldn't exactly show me. I was kind of banned a little bit because of the animal posts. I, I posted a lot about my animals and they were just like, this is violence. And I was like, oh, what? it's a chicken. It's a, it's a literal chicken. <laughs> like he's not yes. being cold or anything. He's fine. <laughs> and so I got like some warnings. So I told people ahead of time, like, Hey, I might get banned. Like just, you know, just know I have these other platforms. And then on my birthday on the date I was born and the hour I was born, 808, I got permanently banned. Wow. Like, yeah. The and Lord. so that's how I knew it was like from God, you know, because there's yeah. no coincidences. No. And I was like, oh, God made that really clear. And I haven't been on TikTok since because it's just so. Ugh. But yeah, it, it stuff like that has happened where I'm like, OK, clearly God did not want me on this app. And so yeah. he took it away. And I, I wow. submitted myself to that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is yeah. so crazy. I love how radical that plea was from you to the Lord. I totally had a moment like that in my life where I was like, all right, Lord, I'm laying down absolutely everything. Whatever you, whatever you present next is it. And I will do it, you know, or I will drop it or whatever. And you got to be careful when you pray those prayers, because mm -hmm. if you're serious about it, like the Lord is real, the Lord is serious and he will follow through. So clearly he did for you. And um, do you feel like, yeah, since since letting that go, has there been freedom? Has there been growth? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been so nice because I feel like it's a weight lifted off of me because yeah. it was one of those things that I was – I had healthy boundaries with other platforms. But TikTok was one of those platforms where I could post 10, 20 times a day because you would get 100,000, like, uh, views and likes and things. And so – it kind of hit that, you know, the, what is it? The happy hormone in your brain, you know, because oh, that's what social media yeah. does. Yes. Yes. Endorphins or, yes. Yes. Dopamine. And so I'd be like, this is great. And then if I didn't get over a hundred thousand views, I'd be like, what am I it's doing bad. wrong? Yeah. And so when I, it took a little bit of adjustment because mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I need to post on TikTok. And I'm like, wait, I was banned like and, and there was sadness, too, because I knew that there were people on TikTok where they didn't understand that I just was banned off the platform. Like I didn't have a chance to tell them like, hey, yeah. you know, not all 100,000 people probably knew. Exactly. And so I put out a video, but that doesn't mean they all saw it. Mm. And just and when they ban you, you know, they take down your entire platform. So those videos weren't up anymore. Yeah. So over like your detachment. <laughs> yeah. Over a thousand videos were just like deleted. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> Cause that's hours and hours of content that you also put in, you know? Oh, I know, girl. Yeah. So that was really hard. That is hard. Yeah. But then when I had that detachment and I like kind of distanced myself from it, I realized like, nope, this is healthy. I'm glad I don't have it anymore right. because it's just so bad. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think like, especially as a content creator, you, feel a pressure at least I do I feel a pressure of like I should be on every social media platform mm -hmm. like I should be on every platform because this is you know what I think a lot of people don't realize is that like when you get to this point like it really becomes your job it's your career it's yeah and I'm and I'm so happy and so grateful that it is the way that we support our one of the ways that we support our family um but yeah, but that means that it's not just a fun social media. You're just not just you're not just posting your latte pics anymore in your in your friend hangouts, you know? It's exactly. a lot of serious decisions, a lot of serious work. It's a lot of time and energy and commitment that goes into doing this. So um yeah, sometimes I feel like, wow, like I should be on every platform. And mm -hmm. I mean, right now I'm literally just on Instagram. But 
when TikTok became so big, I was like, this is it. Like, this is the way to get big. This is like what everybody's doing. And yet I felt such a resistance, like deep in my heart, even like people that I respect and love, even my mom that like is so like weird about social media. She's like, you should be on TikTok, Mari. And I'm like, I just really don't feel like that's where the Lord's calling me to be. And yeah, this is reassuring to know that he said the same to you. Yes, exactly. And I, I love how similar our stories are, but like in a different font, Yes, you know, because it just solidifies that mm-hmm. we, our experiences are real, you know, like not yeah. that they're not real. Like we know they're real, but it, it helps with the support, you know, you know, yeah. and I think the biggest issue that I've really just faced is like that work-life faith balance. And totally. that's something that I've struggled with. And have you struggled with that as well? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there, there's seasons. I just think that life in general is, is very seasonal. Like we're never, we never have it figured out all the time. Um, and so I really do value having a good balance here, faith, work and life. But I think to me, balance doesn't necessarily mean like equal parts of each. I mm-hmm. think balance more means like having things in the right priority And so it doesn't mean that I'm working just as much as I'm putting into my faith, just as much as I'm putting into my marriage or my friends or whatever. Um, It's just like, what, where are my priorities and how does that help me strive to be the best daughter of God that I can be the best wife that I can be and the best, you know, friend, sister, whatever. Right. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. I think work and faith is a big one. Um, that I try to keep in check and I think would be a relatable conversation here. Like we've been talking about because our work is so closely, closely tied to our faith. I never want to fall into the trap of like working equals me investing in my faith. Like, Oh, like when I'm creating content or when I'm doing whatever on my social media, that is me doing my faith. Like it's not right. I I want to separate those two. And I want there to be, yeah, like a boundary check. I think, um, with prayer, especially, I think I used to struggle with this a lot at the very beginning of my, my blogging years of like having a beautiful moment in prayer or getting like a beautiful message from the Lord in prayer or something and being like, Ooh, like that would be great content. I should, I should post this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it is, sometimes it's good to be shared and the Lord's calling me to share. And sometimes it's not. And so it takes some discernment in those times to know, yeah, my, my relationship with Jesus also is personal and not everything in my prayer needs to be shared with everybody and should just be kept with the Lord and I. Exactly. And I've had that exact same issue, you know, where it's like, you're just having this moment and you're like, I should post this. Like, this is perfect. Yes. And there's that boundary that people don't understand. Cause when I was coming back into my faith for a whole year, I didn't really have a lot of, <laughs> I didn't really have a lot of social media that I was on, you know, I, I didn't have to deal with it a whole bunch. And so I had those moments and I didn't feel like I had to post them. But as the content grew, as I became bigger, I realized that there was this push for content. I needed more content. I needed more, you know, um, stories. I needed to be able to be more relatable to people. And so I would start going to church to take photos instead of going to see God. And whenever I was at church, I would start feeling this need to take photos instead of just focusing. And you know, I would have to set this boundary where I would leave my phone in the car for a while. And now it's like, every time I go to church, I don't have that urge. But if I have this moment, like you said, during prayer, 
I have this urge to share it. Or when I'm reading a book, I'll be like, okay, this is my time to be off social media, to read a book. And then I'll see a passage and I'm like, everybody needs to hear this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll like took a photo of it and I'm like, okay, I'll post it when I'm done reading this book. But then all I can think about is posting it and then mm -hmm. I can't focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, totally so been frustrating. Yeah. Um, I completely understand. And I think that's, it can be very hard too, because, you know, being a full-time student, wedding planning on top of ministry running, and it's just, it's a it's lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. lot. And I don't think people understand how time-consuming content creating really is. No. Like, I definitely don't think it's one of the hardest jobs out there. Like, I'm not trying to be like, no. oh, we have it so hard. No, 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 no. But it is time-consuming. And yes. it, it, it isn't as easy as people think. I always tell people, like, I think anybody can be mm -hmm. an influencer. And I just don't think everybody knows that if they actually want to or not. Like, everybody physically probably has the skill set, right? And I think intellectually, like everybody intellectually physically <laughs> has the skill set to, to do what we're doing, but not everybody is cut out to do this kind of work because there are a lot of difficulties in it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And also I think I've seen this time and time again where it's like I had to discern whether or not this is something God wanted me to continue doing. Because when I gained thousands of followers overnight on TikTok when I first started my ministry, I was like, okay, is this good or not? I don't know. And so you kind of have to go to adoration and discern, like, is this something God wants me to pursue? Because if he does, he'll open the doorways for you to continue. Mm -hmm. um, and he'll close the doorways for others. And I don't think that means you can't share your faith online, but maybe it's just not in the way that, you know, Catholic, quote unquote, influencers um, do it, you know, in the yeah. same sense. Yeah. Because I know tons of people who, you know, kind of think it out. They kind of have a plan of how their content's going to be. And those are people who are usually more successful. It's very rare that God will just kind of drop it on your lap and it like takes off in, in a lot of cases. A lot of people actually plan it out for a few years. But for people who do kind of just rush into it, I've seen so many people stop doing it because they can't keep up. It's too much. They can't deal yeah. with the hate. And then they have these followers who are like, what about the content? Like what happened? And, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be a content creator for the rest of your life, but it doesn't mean that you are ministering to people. And, you know, you have to, in a sense, be responsible in that way. It's not just yeah. about you anymore. Totally. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. If you're listening to this and you're discerning whether you want to be a content creator or you've started or, or if you just need a reality check, <laughs> like, yeah, the one of the biggest takeaways is that it's not about you. And I think that that is one of the draws to it sometimes superficially, just like in general, any sort of content creator influencer, like it can seem more glamorous on the outside because I don't know, maybe innately as humans, right? We seek attention and, and approval and um, all that kind of stuff. But especially when when you're in the religious sphere of it, when you are ministering to people, because that's what this is, like this is ministry, you know, there is a weight and responsibility that we have to realize that. Mm -hmm. And and that changes, like, what are we posting? Like fact checking, first of all, if you're actually yes. talking about Catholic teaching, not just like running your mouth and just being like, this is what I think the Catholic church says. Like, no, like you now have tens of thousands of followers mm -hmm. who are relying on you for Catholic, you know, church information, like being responsible with that, being responsible about how we talk about our life and virtue and, um, 
the example that we show other people online, like there's a lot of responsibility with it. I completely agree. And I think that responsibility can be overwhelming and it scares people away when they realize it, you know? Yes. Yes. That's something that I've definitely had to deal with. And our last question, which I think is the most important, is what are some things you wish you knew before starting social media? I mean, just this whole journey in general. Yeah. We started to touch on it a little bit, so I'm glad that we're coming back to it. Um, With social media, it's always kind of a roller coaster, I think. And you can't always tie – actually, you shouldn't ever tie your, like, worth – or quality of your content or whatever to your current metrics and analytics. Like yes. you saying, like it's easy to feel really encouraged and energized when you wake up in the morning, you're like, wow, my reel went viral. Like so many people saw this, like so many people like this, like this is so good. Um, but then if your next one doesn't perform well, like it's easy to, yeah, to feel like, wow, well, this reflects directly on me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I suck or my content sucks or I didn't do something well or people just didn't like that or didn't like me or whatever and kind of get into this spiral. So yeah, I think I, I kind of wish that I, and that comes with growth, you know, but it's just something I've learned along the way of just like, you can't always tie that into how your content is performing or how your account is performing because there are algorithms, there are seasons where people are more active, where you're more active, where, where you're less active. I think especially in the Catholic Instagram world, I've talked about this with all my other influencer Catholic friends, like the season of Lent is like pretty much dead on social media. Like 50% or more of your followers are gone. Your engagement severely drops and you could easily just be like, well, I suck. Everything sucks. Like I, this is the worst, but (laughs) just having, yeah, that knowledge of like, we can't be slaves to this app. We can't be slaves to the metrics, to the analytics. Like we have to continually keep our eyes set on the mission that the Lord has placed in front of us, right? It's not about ourselves and it's not about performance. And like you said, the Lord will open the doors to the things that he wills and he closes the doors to the things that he doesn't. And I think I've like, I've, I feel like my story is a testament to this because I wasn't one of these people that (laughs) I wasn't one of these people that like planned it out for years or like thought like, I want to be a Catholic influencer. Like I want to be a voice. It was just like, in my own personal life, I always felt nudges to try to inspire others in their faith in little ways to be a leader in that way, even though I felt alone. And then when I finally came to find this, like, you know, what's the city in in uh, Wizard of Oz was Emerald City. Emerald City. Yeah. I feel like that's what it was. When I went to focus that summer, I felt like I found the Emerald City of the Catholic world. And I was like, okay, Lord, you've prepared me in my life for this moment. And I just felt right. And through my prayer, the Lord gently just gave me that peace. And and I just started slow where I just like, I started an account, I posted a few things and it just started growing and snowballing and growing and growing. And I credit that completely to the Lord. Like I know that right now my account is vibrant and, and reaching many people because he wills it, because this is an avenue of evangelization. And, you know, walking away from this conversation, I need to pray with what you said of like, if the Lord were to take that away one day, what would that mean for my life? What would that mean for my relationship with him, for my spiritual life? Like need to have that detachment and an understanding of we're on the Lord's timing and on the Lord's plan and not our own. Right. No, it's beautiful. And I love what you said because it's so true. And what does that mean, you know, for our, for our spiritual lives? Like, are we basing our 
our lives so much on this app that when it's gone, we feel like our life is going to be over. You know, if God takes it away, are we going to blame him? Are we going to be like, why would you do this? Like I had so many followers because then it's like, well, it's not about us. You know, we start these, we start these platforms with good intentions, but then we need to be very careful not to turn it into, um, you know, a pride fest, so to speak, where we're just like, oh, it's about me. And like, I'm sharing this and I'm getting this out. It's like, no, if God wills it, he will, you know, get your message out there and he, he will, you know, bring people to you. But Mm -hmm. if he doesn't, you know, maybe there's something you need to work on because God does not call everybody, you know, he doesn't call the qualified, Mm-hmm. But he also knows who he needs, you know, to evangelize. And maybe you're not one of those people that needs to evangelize online. Maybe it's something where you need to evangelize in person. Maybe right. your your message is to be a focused missionary. Mm-hmm. Or maybe your message is to start a blog, you know, or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many different avenues to share our faith. And I don't think social media is the only one that we need to um, prioritize. I think there's so many other ways. But I know for me also starting this journey, I think one of the main things I wish I would have known is how time consuming and difficult it would be to really feel because I think I would have a hard time separating personal prayer life from public prayer life where I'd be like, because I'm posting about my life and and my faith and all of this and I'm praying um, on social media, I don't have to do it privately. And it's like, no, we have to still cultivate that relationship with God in private because that, you know, when we pray in private, when we fast in private and we don't talk about it, that's where the fruit comes from because it's it's private, you know, it's between you and God. But if we try to use those things as a show, if we try to show it off and be like, oh, look what I did, then we're no better than the Pharisees, you know, who would make themselves look awful because they wanted to know people they were, like, they wanted people to know they were fasting. And I think a lot of the times it's just that balance, you know, of of trying to figure things out and I'm still on it. And for anyone who's thinking about becoming a Catholic influencer or starting this, it's like discern, discern every day. Like, even if it takes off, I still discern every day. I'm like, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this something that you still want for me? Is it still being fruitful? Because if it's not being fruitful for the Lord, I don't want to do it, you know, and that's hard. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's another huge takeaway to, t- to to take away from this if you're listening is um, to keep a consistent prayer life because like we've talked about, there's a lot of responsibility with this and um, it's about the Lord. And if you are one speaking like on behalf of the Lord or like speaking on behalf of the church to many people, you need to be rooted in your prayer life. You need to be firmly grounded in your relationship with Christ. And as a missionary, I came to learn that like that and in just my formation of the past few years, like your relationship with Christ isn't just like smiles and butterflies of like, yes, mm-hmm. I love Jesus. And I listen to worship music in the car. Like that's not, I'm sorry. That's not a, a deep relationship with Christ. And I know that can be difficult for people to hear. Like I'm not saying you don't have a relationship with Christ. Like I'm sure that you do and know that he loves you immensely no matter what. And I'm sure that you love him as well, but the relationship you have with your best friend, right? How did you get there? It's time spent. It's things shared. It's hardships shared. It's um, listening and letting them into the vulnerable parts and healing and growing and all like the Lord wants that with you. And you can only minister well 
once you're firmly rooted in Christ, because then you know that what you're doing is inspired by him and inspired by the Holy Spirit and for him and less about ourselves. And it's easier to recognize and discern those moments of like, "Mm, is this what the Lord wants or is this just what I want? You know, Mm. so my biggest advice to anybody who is discerning if they want to start sharing their faith online is keep a consistent prayer life um, and also start uh, reading the soul of the apostolate. That was like one of the first books I read. And I think it is so good for anybody who wants to minister to people to learn like, yeah, what keeps you going as the one who is sharing the faith. I'm just writing that book down really quick. Yeah. If you haven't read it, you got to read it. It's so good. I love good books because that's something that I'm always looking for is like good books on like the spiritual life and stuff because some of them can be really hardcore, you know, and you get like this like scrupulosity about it. But then later I'll be thinking about I'm like, no, you know what? This is really important to hear. And I think people need to know about these types of books. And also, I love what you said, because, you know, we always talk about how well, I've, I've always kind of mentioned how we need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. If you yourself are spiritually sick, you're not going to be able to help others who are spiritually sick. Like if you have the flu, you're not going to be going to the nursing home giving soup to elderly people. Yes. You have to get better first. And so I constantly try to remind people of that. It's like if you feel like you're spiritually drained, that you're not getting anywhere, it's like take a step back and really focus on that relationship you have with Christ. Cause at the end of the day, that is more important than the relationship you have with your followers. Because if you have a relationship with Christ, Christ will take care of your followers. Like he will still let your message reach them. He'll still let whatever you say, get to them, et cetera. But you know, you need to put him first because he's the end all be all, you know, he's the one that'll get you to heaven. He's the one that's going to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, but and he'll help your followers as well it's not all on us and i think a lot of the time we tend to think it's all us Mm -hmm. and when we do that you know we really take a big part of it out you know with jesus you know because we really need him and we need to continue doing that in our own stories you know it it's important for people to hear but we also need to incorporate jesus i think a lot more than well, I, I just definitely think I do because the last few months, I feel like I've been talking a lot about my story, but that's like another thing you kind of have to reflect and kind of discern yeah. and and decide like, okay, maybe I'm talking too much about this and I need to talk more about Jesus and stuff. So yeah. I think one, one thing to end on too, this wasn't necessarily an answer to your question, to any questions or anything, but just yeah. something to note is know that we are people too. <laughs> Yes, but like all all influencers, all content creators, especially um, when you follow, I think like religious type, you know, like faith based accounts. It's really easy, like you were saying earlier, to make judgments mm-hmm. um, because, in a way, we are speaking from a place of authority. But it doesn't mean, like I said earlier, that we're perfect or that we know everything or that we don't sin. And a reminder that like we were talking about earlier as well, like social media doesn't show the full picture. It shouldn't and it doesn't need to. And that's something that we need to start learning and adapting as social media users. Um, It's nobody's right to know everything about somebody's life. And it shouldn't be disappointing or you shouldn't be upset if you don't. Exactly. You know, Um, so what you see on the feed is is usually carefully thought out and, and beautifully created for good, but it doesn't always show the full picture. Um, so just having compassion and understanding of the people behind the screen as well, who 
um, yeah, have dedicated their lives to evangelization and ministering the best that they can. They also make mistakes and their life is imperfect. I love that. That's so important because I think that's something that we don't realize. And we talked about that a little bit earlier about how, you know, we view people as a phone or a car. You know, we really need to understand that we are people too. And yeah, we are we are prone to get things wrong every now and then because we're human. It's part of our nature, you know, Um, but giving us that grace is just very important. And um, I think that's definitely something people need to hear. So that's awesome. Wow. Thanks, Mari. I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on and talking about this. I think it's it was a really fruitful episode being able to talk with you. You had so many great things to share. Um, So I just really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. This has been an awesome convo. Whenever it's up, I'm excited to share with my audience as well because this is going to be very fruitful for people to hear. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. And before we hop off, what, um, where can my listeners find you one more time? Right. Yeah. So my Instagram is at West Coast Catholic. And then I have a shop account as well for my brand. It's at shop.wcc. And you can shop our uh, products at westcoastcatholic.co. Awesome. All right, guys. And with all of that being said, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. And I'll talk to you guys next. Thank you so much for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with me, The Religious Hippie. Make sure to visit my official website at thereligioushippie.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to keep up to date with my latest news and offerings. You can also find me on virtually any social media site as The Religious Hippie. Thanks for listening. A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Amber Rose and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright by the Religious Hippie NFP. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for The Religious Hippie at thereligioushippie.com or find me on social media for other unique content.